This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joining us over in Stevens Point, and the Fox Valley is now open and running. So praise the Lord for that. So they'll be, they'll be working out the bugs as they go along for a while, and then we're going to have an official grand opening. Uh, actually, it would be fun. I'm, I'll be talking about it as we come up to it, because it would be nice if a bunch of you could drive down to Appleton when they do that, just to fill the room. You know, it'll be a fun weekend. As we pull that out. Anyway, we're glad to have them with us, uh, as well as all the people who are at home watching uh, during this pandemic thing, and uh, those all over the world on the internet. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Um, we're going to pause just very quickly uh, to receive our offering, which is done electronically. Many of you have uh, already signed up for recurrent giving. This is the most powerful thing you can do to help support your church, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, those of you who haven't uh, need to go online. A lot of you at home uh, online. Uh, at our, our website, celebrationchurch.tv, push the button there about to give. Uh, the rest can give by phone, texting. Um, and what you do is you send your text to this number, 77977. That's the number you're going to send the text to. And then in the message, put CCWI, stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin, CCWI, and the dollar amount that you want to give. Once you've done it, it'll set you up for the first time. You have to go through a couple of things. But other than that, then it's just automatic. You don't have to do anything. You just put it in CCWI, the amount, and boom, it's done. So uh, you can take a minute to do that here if you haven't done anything for a while. I've been bragging on all y'all, all ever since early spring when this thing has kicked in, how faithful people have been in giving. It's starting to soften up, you know, which is always my fear. People say, why don't you give more financial reports? Because if you got bad news, people quit giving. And if you got good news, people quit giving. So I don't know what the deal is. So it's just, <laughs> it doesn't exactly what happens. If it's about, I don't get it, I don't have no money, I'm doing something wrong. And if you're doing good, well, they don't need my money, they're doing pretty good now, you know what I'm saying? So, so you need, listen, you need to not give just for us, you need to give for you. You want God to bless your life financially? You need to be a giver. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, give and it will be given. Amen. 
All right, picking it up at Exodus this morning. We've been walking through Exodus a little bit. Uh, children of Israel have come out of Egypt, and they're out in the wilderness, and uh, then this major event happens. This is chapter 20, verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives them what we refer to as the Ten Commandments. Now, there are way more than ten. I don't know what the number is. It's a massive amount of commands under the, what we call the Law of Moses. This is the beginning of the Law of Moses, but it's the first ten and the most significant ones, and everything else is kind of built on this. So let's take a look. at Number one, you shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 7, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not equip anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land and, the Lord, and that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, male or female slave, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the ten major commandments. Now, as I've taught you many, many times, we don't live by the Old Testament law. Are you saying that we don't obey the ten commandments? Well, no and yes. Let me explain. Uh, we don't live under the law of Moses. This is just the first 10, and then all these laws. And it's amazing how many times Christians quote things like, you know, you're not supposed to have tattoos. Yeah, in the Old Testament. We don't live by the Old Testament law. And we're like, yeah, but tattoos, your own problem. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't be quoting Old Testament laws, hammering people with these things. We don't live by Old Testament laws. Having said that, the Ten Commandments are actually still fulfilled in this respect, we read about it in Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is summed up in a single command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the New Testament comes. It's now a matter of the heart and loving people and walking in the love of God. And if you love people, you don't steal from them. You don't lie for them. You don't kill them, you don't take their wives, you don't, that, so all this is fulfilled if people walk in love. So do we obey the commandments? Yeah, but not in the context of the Old Testament law. Now the great thing about the Ten Commandments, it gave mankind a sense of what is right and what is wrong, or to use a term that we'll be using a lot today, of what it means to be righteous, doing that which is right. Up until this point, there is no law. They didn't know what to do. It's amazing that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as they were following God, had any clue of what was going on. There was no law. This is a long time. Everything was just was praying to this God who would reveal himself in limited ways to them, yet they're following him. And then finally Moses comes and God says, okay, this is what you need to do. Boom. And now we have the standard of righteousness. I want to talk to you today about the problem of self-righteousness. Um, in Philippians, the third chapter, verses four through nine, the apostle Paul 
starts talking about his self-righteousness. That's the stuff that you do that makes, we think, I'm okay because I do this. I'm okay because I do that. It makes me righteous. That's called self-righteousness. So let's read, Paul's boasting a little bit about these people who think they have it all together. He says, even though I too have a reason for confidence in the flesh in myself. If anyone has a, else has a reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, and as to the law of Pharisee. In other words, he's one stinking religious dude. As to zeal, how passionate he was for uh, the faith. He was a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness under the law, check this out, blameless. Here's a man, all his life, did not break any of these commands. Holy cow, right? I can't even begin to tell you how many I've broken. <laughs> All right? But I, probably, I didn't kill him, I don't think. Anyway, <laughs> unless I was in an altered state. But, I, you know, so here's a guy. He, he's been following, all, and not just the take of all of these rules and regulations. He was blameless. So he has the right. If anyone's got the right to be self-righteous, it's Paul. He said, yeah, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss. Why? Because of Christ. Because he is teaching that righteousness, the stuff that makes us right, can only come from Christ. He's the only one who can set things right. You can't fix things on yourself by doing good things. Should you do good things? Yes, you should. Why? Out of love of God and fear for God. But that's not what fixes you. What fixes us is only the blood of Jesus that he shed upon that cross 2,000 years ago. It is his righteousness that makes everything right for us. All right? More than that, he says in verse 8, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sakes, I've suffered the loss of all things. And what he's talking about now is, this is no small deal. He was a highly educated man, spoke multiple languages. He's really quite brilliant in his writings. He, by the way, wrote almost all of the New Testament by himself. Now, there were others as well, but man, he's the bulk of it came right from him. It's rather stunning. He's very, very intelligent. Uh, he was, and, and in this culture, he was at the top. So he had the best of everything. Life was comfortable for him. It was great. People looked up to him. Hullaba, hullaba, hullaba. He's this righteous dude. Life is good for him. He's making the max income in this position. He says, all of that I regard now as loss. I've suffered the loss of all things, and I re regard them as rubbish. Now, I spoke about this a, a few years ago when we were doing our Wednesday night Bible studies, and we were on this particular verse. Uh, the word rubbish here is not the word that he uses. Some of you will remember the word. I'll give you a clue in just a minute. But uh, he is, this, this is one of these places where I get highly irritated by some of these Bible translators. They think that... They can't really tell us what words were used because that would be offensive to us because we're obviously a bunch of snowflakes and we can't handle what these people said. They have to think that, you know. Apparently, English-speaking Christians can't, we'll just melt. If it, so the word he uses here is that I count all of this as scubula, which in the Greek is the crudest word to refer to human excrement. We have a word that is equivalent to it. I won't say all of it. I'll just call it it. All right? So 
He says, I consider it all a big pile of it. Now, they're thinking, well, we'll use the word rubbish. It's the same. It's not the same. I regard them as rubbish. No one even understands what that means. Who even uses the word rubbish? You know, excuse me, I'll go with some rubbish, y'all. Can you help me dispose of it properly? What? So apparently rubbish is, is good. Or another one says garbage and stuff. It's not the same. I have garbage in my house. I have it in bins. I have it in little places. I do not have it anywhere. All right? It's, it's, it's not the same. It is rather offensive and disgusting. <laughs> Scubala. We had some guys a few weeks later came to church with t-shirts. Scubala happens. It was hilarious. <laughs> so all this stuff, all of a sudden, everybody wanted. It's a big pile of it as far as he was concerned. It means nothing to me. It's disgusting to me. And by the way, there's a lot of words like that in the Bible that they hide in these new translations. And it irritates me to no end. Why does he do this? Because so I can get Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, self-righteousness. I don't want self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will do me no good. There's righteousness that comes from the law. But I want one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. This is what I want to talk to you about today, about self-righteousness. Again, righteousness refers to that which is good and just. Uh, the dictionary defines righteousness as the quality or state of being just or rightful. Something that fixes it, makes us right. Okay? Now, now, why is this important? Because we've all sinned. Everybody needs to be set right because we're all messed up. Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 12, he writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, thank you, Adam and Eve, and death came through sin, so death spread to all because all have sinned. We are a, a, cult, a, a, a race of people who are born into sin, and then we all sin on our own, even if that wasn't true. In Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody is okay. Everybody's messed up. I don't care who you are. So now we, when people use the term today, self-righteous, it is most often aimed at religious church-going people. We've all heard this, right? Point of self-righteous churchgoers. That's the self self-righteous churchgoers. But it's just ignorance because they don't understand the term. You know, you can accuse us of being inconsistent. You can accuse us of being maybe hypocrites at times, saying one thing and doing another. But Christianity is not based on self-righteousness at all. Everything about Christianity is that he makes us righteous. That's why we're here. So they use this as a term of derision, but the reality is... Everybody is self-righteous. Self-righteousness is trying to make yourself right by your own actions. Now, why does self-righteousness occur? What drives everybody in the world to do self-righteous things? Because I think at the core, everybody knows what I just said is true. Every man, woman, and child knows that they have sinned, that they have done wrong. They've said things they shouldn't have said, done things they shouldn't have done, ignore things they should have done. I mean, all these things, everybody knows. And because of this guilt, this inherent guilt that is in every man, woman, and child, people have to do something to fix it. They are resistant to the message of God and the message of Christ. They don't want this, so they have to come up with their own. They have to have something that sets things right. But here's the problem. It's delusional. 
We live in a culture today where people can lie, steal, cheat, be filled with hate, lust, cheat on their spouses, have sex with anybody anytime they want, murder their own children in their wombs, but they're okay if they do these little self-righteous things. This is what drives our culture because they don't want to deal with their sin, but I, I, I know I'm guilty, but I, I do this. And there's all kinds of versions of it. Now, there's general righteousness, uh, opening doors for little old ladies. It's a nice thing to do, okay? Should you, and by the way, should you do these? Yeah, of course you should, but it's not going to make you right before God. Oh, uh, no, I, I'm okay. I, I open doors for old ladies. I give to the United Way. Should you give them? Yeah, be nice. Well, I don't know. It depends on some of the stuff they're supporting. But, uh, you know, that doesn't make you right. There's people, I'm, I'm not kidding you. In our culture, they absolutely think they're okay because they gave to the United Way. Doesn't matter everything I've done wrong or sinful. I did this nice thing. Uh, you know, I pick up my dog's poop when I take him for a walk. They're thinking this is a term of righteousness. I do this. I'm a good person because I pick up the poop. Now, if you're an alien... And you land on the earth and you see a dog pulling somebody along who stops to pick up their poop. You'd really have to wonder who's in charge down here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I volunteer in my community. All these are good things, but it's not going to set things right. Then there is religious self-righteousness. I go to church, and I've told you before, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in your garage will turn you into a Buick. It just doesn't do it. It's good to go to church, yes, so you can hear the message of God, yes, so you can worship God, yes, but that in and of itself isn't going to make things right for you. Well, I sing in the choir. I'm okay. I'm a lying, cheating, backstabbing piece of scuba. But I sing in the choir. I give money in the offering. I help out around the church, and thank God for you guys who help around the church. We so appreciate it. And I'll, again, as Becky pointed out, you guys didn't hear this, but we had a bunch of guys on the roof fixing the roof last yesterday. Big project. They got done right early. Uh, we were up north finishing up our cabin up there. We were putting up a gazebo, and it's still not done. <laughs> Stupid thing. It's like they write the directions in tongues. You know what? That, you need part 465 slash 38W. Well, where's that? So most of our day yesterday was just trying to find stuff. <sighs> then there's political righteousness. Oh, man, we're we getting doses of that today, right? I'm righteous because I vote Republican. Oh, I'm more righteous than you because I vote Democrat. And then the independents say, I got y'all beat because I'm an independent thinking human being. Then we have secular self-righteousness. And this one is a biggie today. This is what is driving much of our culture today. This is treated particularly intensely because not only are you righteous if you do it, you're evil if you don't. And that's what really makes it more like a religion than typical self-righteousness. And boy, this is heavy today. I recycle! And if you don't, you are evil. Again, I can lie, steal, cheat, kill my own baby in my own womb. That's okay because uh, I recycle. We had some young people over at our house, late teens, early 20s. and I was 
getting ready to take an aluminum can and throw it in the trash because I don't recycle. <laughs> I just don't care. It's me. I think you all should do it. <laughs> so that my little bit won't matter at all. But I'm ready to throw the aluminum can in the garbage. And you should have seen these young people. They jumped up. I've never seen young people move so fast in my life. Do you remember this? You ever seen anybody move that fast before? I'm just, oh, no! What? You, you can't do that. Do what? You, you can't put that in the trash. I thought, oh, my word. This is the indoctrination they get in school, see. The most horrible thing you can do is throw an aluminum can in the garbage. I could have been on fire and they wouldn't have moved that fast. <laughs> I love the earth. I love the earth. Oh, let's worship the earth. Oh, Mother Earth. Oh, blah, 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 blah. They don't worship God. But they worship the earth. We're all tied together in the earth. I planted a tree. I cut them down. <laughs> I rather enjoy it, I have to tell you. <laughs> but see, it's not that you do it makes you right. You're evil if you do not. I only buy gas with ethanol in it. Now this, this makes no sense to me. Now it's arguable about the energy saved in creating ethanol. A lot of people say that the more energy is burned in creating ethanol than the ethanol creates. There are studies that prove the other side probably paid for by the ethanol companies. But at a minimum, you have to agree that that's a lot of food taken out of the food supply and stuck in our tanks. There are people in the world starving to death as I speak. And we are taking tons and tons and tons of corn and putting it in our gas tanks to make up 10%, which maybe may or may not make any difference at all on the oil supply. All right? Not a big fan. And you're evil if you don't do these things. Oh, and here's a hot one today. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous because I, I posted a social justice meme on my Facebook. Really? Do you even know these people? No. You know. One of the hot ones today is actually the BLM, Black Lives Matter. People ask me, why don't you speak on this? I'm going to talk a little bit about this morning, just as gently as I can. Uh, and, and let me try and get some of you to ex understand why these people get upset when you blow them off with all lives matter. For a moment, and, and some of you won't have to imagine hard because some of you literally have lived like this. Imagine all your life you are minimized. Everybody thinks you're a nothing, you're a nobody, your parents put you down, your grandma puts you down, your cousins, uncles, aunts. Your teachers, you're stupid, you're not, you don't matter, you're so matter. And then at some point, you, you reach out in desperation and say, but, but I matter. And then they reply, well, everybody matters. How do you think that'll make you feel? It'll make you feel marginalized. When someone says black lives matter, they're not saying nobody else matters. What they're saying is they feel marginalized. Hey, hey, we matter. When you come back with, why well, everybody matters, it just insults them. Don't do that to people. You know what the proper response is to that? You're right. You're right. Black lives do matter, and I'm sad that you feel marginalized that they don't. Burning things down is not exactly the best way to get there. 
All right? And you can certainly deal with that. But try to understand where people are coming from. Now, we were just up in Boston area, out on the ocean, stayed in some ritzy house a friend of ours had. Uh, and these are multi, 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 multi-million dollar palatial places on the ocean. I mean, if those places were in Green Bay, they'd be a couple of million dollars. Put them on the ocean, you can imagine the value of that case. Everywhere we saw BLM signs everywhere. Now, I'm thinking, and there's white America, and then there's seriously, seriously white America. This is seriously white America. I mean, do people even know any black people? So I, I don't know if they, if they really were concerned about it or if they just wanted the signs up so nobody protested and knocked down their building. I don't know. But just because you do that, people do this and they feel now righteous. It's part of our culture today. Because I make the right social stand. I feel good. You say, well, Pastor, you don't think there's a racism? Look, I don't know. Do you know there's 31 point something million whites in this country who are in poverty? There are 14 million non-whites. That's black, Latinos, bunch of others, 14 million in total together that are in poverty. Way more white people than people of color. I let me talk about the white people. A lot, a lot of the problems, with this, and it happens in both cultures. A lot of poor white people are convinced they are poor because they're people who are rich. Right? My life stinks because the man took my money. We got to get it back from the man. We need to stick it to the man. Those CEOs get paid too much money. Those billionaires, we got to get all that money from them billionaires and we'll be okay. Listen to me. The reason your life probably stinks is you didn't pay attention to school and you didn't do your homework, and you never improved yourself, and you never took any risks, and you just stayed where you're at, uh, that's probably more than the fact that somebody's paid millions of dollars to do their job. And by the way, you could take your CEO's money, spread it out to all the employees, and it's just going to be a few bucks by the time it gets to you. It's not, when you spread it out, it's not that. And then your company that he was running will spiral out of control, everything will fail, and then you'll be unemployed. There's a win. Everybody keeps talking, we're, we're going to tax all the billionaires to pay for this, that. Listen, just in healthcare alone, if you took all of the money from the billionaires, all of it, it's not enough to pay for free healthcare. I don't know, this delusion. But anyway, they really think that because they are white and poor, it's because of these millionaires and billionaires. And they keep telling themselves that and say, no. And the same with people of color. What they hear all their lives, the reason they're poor is because they're co the color. They've got, you know, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Latino, and stuff like that. Now, could that be true to some degree? I suppose it could, but there's a lot of bigger problems that where you're at. No fathers in homes. Again, the same with the education and stuff like that. Uh, I don't even know anybody who's racist today. I did growing up. I personally, I remember that. Back, back in the day, people were really mean to you if you were not white. I was raised in Nielsville, Wisconsin. Kids would beat us up and stuff and call us bush niggers. I didn't say that, they did. <laughs> That's another. Each religion has words you can't say. That's the secular word. Again, I didn't say it, they said it. They beat us up. You know, it's like laying on a, on a pile on the floor, you can't breathe. And, hey, because people hate you for no other reason that you're dark skinned and got curly hair. I don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> I know, I know what it's like firsthand. It's not fun. It makes no sense. And some of this is real for people, and I get it. 
Well, I think by and large, these problems are not as big as people make them out to be. White people's problem isn't rich people and color people. People ask me, I got an email from someone recently, don't, Pastor, don't you, don't you have a problem with racism? Aren't you upset about it? I'm a Puerto Rican guy in charge of all you white people. What do I got to complain about? <laughs> Does this seem like a racial problem to you? Anyway, you can write your upset letters to uh, Becky at Celebration Church. <laughs> Com. <laughs> I got to shut up. I'm going too long, but I had so much I wanted to say. Anyway, all of this, we are living in a world of self-righteous people. It's not just a bunch of little religious old ladies. Everybody in this country is up to their eyeballs in self-righteousness. They are making sure they do this or they vote the right way or put up the right sticker on their Facebook or because this makes me right. I'm a good person because I do this. And I'm telling you, all of it is a big pile of it. There's only one thing that'll set it right. There's only the one thing that can fix the human condition. And you really want justice and equality in America? It starts here. Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's not of your own doing. You can't do this on your own. It's not the result of works. You're listening to me this morning. Well, you know, I'm I'm an okay guy because I I, I do this, that, and the other. No, it won't fix it. Romans 5, 8. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're all a mess, as I said before. And then John the Baptist, when he first sees Jesus coming, he says the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what we sing about. This is what we celebrate. This is why we pray. This is why we do what we do. Because Jesus sets it right. Is it okay to do these things? By and large, of course it is. But don't delude yourself. Let's do good because we should be good because God is good. But don't make you think that I can be a really rotten, unforgiving, mean, nasty rat. But I'm okay because I did any of these things. It doesn't make us okay. That's why we need forgiveness. And forgiveness comes in the cross of Jesus. So I'm going to ask our musicians to get ready to come out here and play. And we're going to turn to the sign of communion. And the first thing we do when we take communion is what the Bible says. Look at yourself. Where are you? Examine yourselves. If you've sinned in any way... Over the last week, this is the time to get it right. Because we all make mistakes. And it's not about being uh, hypocrites or anything. It's just we still are who we are. But we know that it's Jesus who sets things right. Again, let me be very, very clear so no one misunderstands me. I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things. Recycling, is like, I don't want to do it, but you do these other things. <laughs> Move on, Mark. <laughs> It's okay to do these things. A lot of these things are good. Helping little old ladies and, you know, and all the stuff that we do and kind things and all the voting and social media, whatever you think is important to you, all, all this can be good. Put it in the right context. But it doesn't make us right. Don't think that doing these things can fix us because that is just an extreme form of self-righteousness. And if there's one thing that is plaguing our country today, It is an absolute sense of self-righteousness. Here's the problem. As I pointed out in the Bible, all of it is garbage. It doesn't add up to a thing. 
We need to get right with God. And the only way we do that is through putting our faith in Jesus. So I'm going to pray for prayer for all of us at our campus and stuff in Stevens Point, Fox Valley here. Those of you watching online, um, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I want to just pray for us as we get things set right in our own hearts. Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to your scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, we ask that you would forgive us. Uh, help us not to delude ourselves in thinking that we can make it right because we did something else. We need to get right with you. Our hope and our trust is your saving grace that you showed the world on that cross. Help us, O oh Lord God, to walk in your ways and fill us with your Holy Spirit. And as our heads are bowed and you're thinking, if you can think of anything maybe you did specifically that you just want to ask God to forgive you for, you can do that now. And if you're a person who's never really asked God in your life, why don't you do that right now in your own words? Ask Jesus to come into your life and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Whether you're watching online or you're sitting in one of our campuses, this is the time. Just ask Jesus into your heart. It's real simple. Say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And you can begin your first steps of faith and start to realize the power of God's righteousness because it eclipses everything that we can do on our own.